if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Taylor. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are in week two of the series Be Rich, uh, which is something we do every single year. Um, if you're newer here, just a quick synopsis of what Be Rich is. It's an annual campaign we do. As Devin said, we raise money, and we are uh, rich in generosity and good deeds. And so we raise that money, and then we give 100% of it away to help a hurting world. 100% goes to help a hurting world. And we do that locally and internationally. And so to recap um, what we learned last week, um, we we usually pick projects, um, specifically working with existing organizations or groups or individuals that are really making a difference. And we want to come alongside them and help them to do the amazing work that they're already doing. And uh, so the four projects that we picked Um, This year include um, a scholarship um, to make a difference not only now, but going forward throughout the next year. Um, We are also uh, partnering with the city of Tiffin, Iowa. If you're joining us online, that's the city that we currently meet in. Um, And we're partnering with them to help pay off uh, utility bills for people who owe the city uh, for their water and their sewer and are just simply behind and need a helping hand to catch back up, especially as we enter the winter months. And so we're just going to take care of all of that um, outstand, uh, those outstanding bills this year. Uh, we're going to raise money to buy 100 pairs of new snow boots and snow pants uh, for kids in the Clear Creek Amanda School District, which is the school building that we meet in and, and the district. It's one of the fastest growing districts in the state of Iowa. And so we're going to help with that. Um, It's something they do every year already. However, this way they don't have to take a significant part of their um, kind of benevolence fund or their money that they help uh, students and kids with and and, and, uh, invest it in there. They can invest it throughout the year in other ways to help kids and their needs. And, uh, you know, some kids obviously don't have snow boots, snow pants, uh, but I think another thing to help us realize that some kids do they're just not very good. And um, so if, you know, there's holes in snow pants, holes in boots, that kind of thing, uh, it doesn't really help keep the water in the snow and, and they can get very cold and, and that's obviously dangerous. And so helping to relieve that burden off the wonderful counselors here at Clear Creek Amanda School District and uh, helping kids. And then finally, what we're going to talk about today is uh, helping uh, the orphans at a specific orphanage in Lakai, Haiti, called Bethel Orphanage. And uh, they currently, um, those kids, sleep on cardboard um, mattresses. And so we're going to buy real mattresses. And um, give or take, it's about $120 per mattress to buy, deliver, all that kind of stuff. And so we're going to, uh, uh, part of the uh, total amount that we're raising this year is going to go to do that and to make a difference there. And so um, today, we're going to talk to Ken, who you just saw in that video. He has been kind enough. Uh, he is, like many of us, consider ourselves to be an Iowan. Um, he is an Iowan. We're going to talk about that story. Um, but what I hope you take away today, and I hope you think about, and we kind of talked about this last week as well, is, um, you know, like, if you hear somebody say, uh, hey, there's some kids, they're sleeping on cardboard, let's help them out by buying mattresses, I think most of us, regardless of our faith, say, that sounds like a pretty good idea. At least I hope, okay? If that's a question for you, this is a bigger conversation, but um, I think we can all get behind that. Um, What I want to help us to do and challenge us to do is, um, unfortunately, unfortunately, it's easy to make a difference in someone who has so little's life. It's a little bit harder to make a difference in our own lives, in our own hearts, because let's be honest, we have a lot. And we kind of forget how much we have. 
And so I really hope that today and tomorrow as we kind of continue this series, and if you missed last week, I encourage you to go back and watch that on our app or on our website, um, how generosity and giving and helping others certainly will make a difference in their lives, but starting to realize how it can make a difference in our own lives, okay? So we're going to talk about some practical things, but I hope throughout today's conversation you will think about that as well, all right? So um, without further ado, I think he's sitting in the back. Ken, this is your cue to come up here. Uh, so Ken DeYoung from the northwest part of Iowa, the uh, other corner of the state, um, is here to, to chat with us today. So I get to sit all day today. This is so exciting. Um, okay, oh, you're, you're muted. I can, uh, I got to push that left button. There you go. Boom. Perfect. Great. There you go. There All we right. go. Ken, Technology. everybody. Um, yes. So, um, Ken, it, what, what's your official title? Haiti director and uh, aviation director for GoServe Global. Aviation director. Yes. Co-founder. I don't care. Yes. Whatever, flunky. And the aviation part is <laughs> perfect. A lot of hats. We'll talk about the co-founding in a second. So, and the aviation part is important because of how difficult it is to get to Haiti. Yeah. <laughs> Correct? Yes. Correct. And it was how GoServe started. Right. It was an airplane. It was an airplane. Yeah. Um, so we're going to talk about that in a second. So um, real quick, just to give a brief synopsis, we're going to show some pictures of Haiti, and Ken's going to narrate pretty quickly how all the different ways in which they have and are currently making an impact in Haiti, specifically in this one region. I should have brought a map in retrospect but in Lakai, and where is Lakai in proximity to like? It's on the south coast. South coast. The south claw, as we would say in Haiti. Right. Horseshoe right. shape. Okay, so mm -hmm. opposite Port-au-Prince. Uh, Port-au-Prince is in the middle. In the middle, and, and it's in the and corner. And in the south. Okay. You bet. So um, that has kind of become the, the central operating base of GoServe Global. Correct. More for, or less. For the Haiti, for Haiti. part of part of things. Right, correct. for the Haiti part of things. Okay, so here's some of the things that GoServe has done over the last, how many years have you guys been? 11 years. 11 years. Okay, mm -hmm. so um, the first picture is? Our birthing center up in uh, the mountains in Cape Haitian, which might not seem like a big thing, except that it's in an area where they have absolutely zero health care. So it transforms many lives with the opportunity to have not only the, the birthing part of it, but uh, some prenatal care and training as well. Excellent, because that is such a like, high mortality, yeah. lack of care mm -hmm. area. Okay. Exactly. Um, and then the next picture, is, how old is this picture? Uh, 30 days. 30 days old. Okay. And I got so, this a few weeks ago from Eddie, our Haitian director, said she showed up with her kids uh, husband had passed away. She had zero ability to take care of him, no job, no food. And obviously in Haiti, there's no welfare system. So if you have none of those things, how do you care for your family? And so real quick, why can't, for, for everybody who might be thinking this, why, why doesn't she just go get a job? And There are none. Okay. You know, poverty in, in a country like Haiti is so compelling that um, they're just, you know, what's she gonna do with her kids um, if she could find a job? And most people in a country like Haiti uh, can't go get a job, they have to create one. So uh, they 
they become a little bit of an entrepreneur one way or the other to try to make money or they'll have a garden or that kind of thing if they have a little plot of ground. But her case, she had nothing. And so, uh, and then, so how, how does Eddie, who again is the, the director of GoServe in Haiti physically, Correct. and he's Haitian. Correct. Okay. Um, so what is she, where is she at now? She's at our uh, James 127 project, which was built with safety homes that uh, you've talked about briefly. And um, it, it was built for babies and widows that have no place to go. And in her case, she kind of falls in the middle of that. So she's living there and helping with the project there. Okay. And so she has... Like, what is the implication for her life other than a place to sleep at night for her family? Well, her... At, in, at, at this, where she's at yeah, right now. The place to sleep is huge um, anywhere if you have nothing. And so she has a home, and then she has uh, food for her kids and herself. And um, we have medical care there. We have a hospital. We have a school. Um, dental clinic, those kind of things, and um, in a church, which they're meeting right now. Um, all those things that might seem kind of um, normal or easy for us that she wouldn't have at all. And just out of curiosity, how long is a Haitian church service? Oh, uh, two and a half, three hours. Uh, wow. Hmm. We... Quick story. We had Quick a story. You, you see where I'm going here. If I run a little over sometimes, you're Taylor, okay. Taylor asked me the other day uh, about Sharon. I said, you want the five-minute version or the two-hour version? And, uh, you know, stories just go on and on. But had an uh, acquaintance from close to Pocahontas there went with us, and we were in church Sunday morning, two and a half hours, and we went to a Sunday afternoon service at La Breeze, and it was two and a half hours, and then we went back to Lakai and had another two and a half hour service in Lakai. He said, I've been in church today more than I've been in the last year. So <laughs> anyway, two and a half hours is normal. That's, that's Christianity <laughs> for you people. Um, just kidding, just kidding. Okay. Um, <laughs> It, sorry, Ken, and I, I should have prefaced this. Um, where, where do you live? What's your day job? And then we'll jump back into Haiti because I didn't preface that. I kind of forgot. We live uh, between Pocahontas and Lorenz. Yep. And my day job is farming. And uh, we farm to feed what we do. Yeah. You know, that's, that's become the purpose of the young farms is to... Uh, to take care of poor and yeah. feed our projects. Feed, feed the GoServe Global Project, Correct. yeah, pretty much, yeah. Right. And, and then Jill's here as well, your wife. My wife's here, Jill. Yeah. Not that you forgot about her, but... No, I didn't yeah, forget yeah, about her, and yeah. I can't see her either. Okay. <laughs> She's there, I see her. Yep. Okay. We have two sons, they're grown and gone, they're married, and we have uh, eight grandkids. And uh, saw our youngest grandson play basketball yesterday in Ankeny and and uh, these grandkids are the smartest cutest uh, most talented kids you know ask Jill but no I'm just kidding we spend a lot of time if we can with our grandkids so yeah that's awesome um, okay so um, we talked about this here uh, a lot when it happened but last year there was 
Was it last year there was another earthquake in Lakai? Yes. August 14th. Or in Haiti, and it just so happened to be right outside of Lakai. It was, and we happened to be there. So uh, being a Iowa flatlander, that's not something we've experienced a lot. That was a traumatic thing, too. Yeah, it was, uh, we were sitting on a deck at our house having coffee at 8 o'clock in the morning, and the whole earth started moving, literally. It, it just, I don't know how to explain it. It's an awful thing. It's just awful. And the, and the biggest implication when earthquakes strike is simply just the little infrastructure that there is, as we can see here with a church building, just cannot hold up no. generally. No, in a, in a country like Haiti where the, the construction is so poor, the way you save money if you're building a concrete cement block house or building is take the cement out of it, you know, and uh, so the quality is poor, the buildings go down, and so our reaction after we regained our senses was what happened around us and where can we go help our friends. Um, and then in the next picture we have, uh, if anybody's familiar or grew up on a farm, um, or drive around Iowa and you look at grain bins. Um, one type of grain bin out there is Sukup Grain Bins. They're an Iowa-based uh, company. And Steve and his family are very generous and also um, helped in coordination to transform a grain bin into a home. And so that's, well, it's painted in this picture, probably one of the nicest grain bins you've ever seen. <laughs> um, and so this is where that gal that we were talking about earlier and her kids are living now too. Yeah, in one of these. So we do as much as we can. We, uh, especially since the earthquake a year ago, we've started building more hom homes for individual families rather than just projects like schools or orphanages and that kind of thing. And uh, words can't explain the gratitude from these folks. I, I tell people I've got the best job in the world because I get to go down and, and uh, get all the hugs and kisses and accolades on what's been done and the lives that have been changed. It's just amazing. And for context, I, w one of these homes costs five? 5600 but okay. by the time we get them shipped to Haiti and put up, it's about $7,500. $7,500, and mm -hmm. they endure earthquakes, and they endure hurricanes. We've proven both those. Hurricane yeah. Matthew, we were the epicenter of that as well. Yeah. And uh, they all stood. Every so, single one of them. Stood. Every one of them. Yeah. Yeah. So... They're, they're a great, great investment. Uh, and then you guys do stuff with well water. Correct. Well, all around the world, but also yep. in Haiti. Yeah, we've, I think we've probably dug 50 wells in Haiti in our area. Again, transforms lives. You know, if, you, if you're stuck in poverty and you spend all day just walking for water uh, to have a, a well in your community, in this case, it was up at Manish. And there were, um, this is uh, three years ago, I think, when that picture was taken. But uh, 45,000 people living in that area in the middle of a drought and no water. You know, what, do you, what do you do? I asked a lady that. She said, well, a lot of times we'll send the kids to bed. And I said, well, yeah, but you get up in the morning and you still don't have any water. And she goes, you know, I don't know how they survive. But we drill a lot of wells. Yeah. 
Wow. And then uh, the next uh, picture is, um, yeah, explain her, because this is really cool. Shalin. She's uh, one of our shining stars of the Constellation Center that started 11 years ago. And, and the Constellation Center is? It is our, our main orphanage, and that's where the hospital and, and uh, church, our biggest church and that kind of thing is, and uh, a school for about 1,200 kids. She's, uh, she's going to be coming to DMAC to go to school here next semester if we can get a student visa. It's hard. It's really hard. But we got one for last fall, and actually, Sarah, we saw her last night in Ankeny. So we, we do what we can to get kids back here as well. I, I just, I mean, the, the transformational path there to, you know, coming to a GoServe you know, this is, again, this is I, Iowa, like, Iowans are doing this. Um, you know, I don't know. Sometimes it, it can be humbling when you live in Iowa, and, uh, you know, there are individuals who are not only getting their lives changed by the orphanages, but then they're, they're getting after it. I mean, they, they just don't sit idly by. They take the opportunity that many of you in the room have given to provide over, over the years. Um, so, and then, um, yeah, this, this is adorable, this next picture. First day of school a year ago, we haven't been able to start school yet this year because of all the gang violence and whatever, but this was the smaller kids, the first day of school, they love wearing their uniforms. It means they're going to school. That's a big deal. <laughs> Think about your children and just getting them dressed in the morning. And these kids are excited to get dressed and go to school. Um, yeah, that, that's awesome. And then um, this last one is something that uh, many people here have an impact with. This is the kids at Bethel, our small universe, university, yeah. our small orphanages that we've just taken on and, and uh, the one that you folks have had part of. And, and so the story of Bethel, how did Bethel come <laughs> onto our shoulders? Bethel isn't too far from the Constellation Center, our main work area. And so we've gone for several years to, to them and can we help with medical supplies and, these, and bring them to the doctor, that kind of thing. Because this is not a GoServe global orphanage. It wasn't. Yeah. And uh, they were doing okay and so you don't, you don't ask a question, is there something you need? Because the answer is gonna be what you, what can you give me? You know, it's, it's a Haitian thing. So we go in and try to do things on a, in a sparing way, and they were doing whatever they were doing to take care of themselves, and that's okay. So we came in and helped. We fixed their well and ended up drilling a new well for them and that kind of thing. And that was our experience with Bethel um, early on. And then in and then, 2020? Yeah, early, early 2020 late 19, somewhere in there, um, Eddie, our Haitian director, said, um, we have a problem. And when he says, <laughs> we have a problem, you sit down and listen. Listen, You know, Houston, we have a problem. Because Eddie, just for context, because I've never met Eddie, but through Ken's, like, Eddie is so incredibly resourceful, and he just makes it happen. Like, really makes every dollar go so far, every bit of food go so far. And so when Eddie says there's a problem. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've never met somebody that can make a dollar go as far as Eddie can. It, he just has an amazing gift to do that in his world, and he has people, hundreds of people coming to him every day asking for help. So how do you decide who needs help? And so Eddie said, we have a problem, and they lost their funding. And uh, they had a, one church here in the States that was supporting them, and um, the director that we knew her, Madame Malin, her husband passed away in one way or another in a boardroom in the States. They decided that orphanage didn't need help, so they cut off all the funding. And so there they sat with nothing. And so, you know, in a world that we're in, we're always short of money, so how do we help? You know, we, we try to do what we can sparingly, take it on a little bit at a time, and, and without building dependence, you know, you just try to do the best you can. And uh, so that happened. Um, we were there when, when that, we found out about that, Conwell and I. And uh, a week later, I brought a team from Minnesota down. And, and we're sitting there at night. What do we do? How do we, you know, our heart is to feed kids. That's, if you ask Conwell, my right-handed man, uh, what do we do? We feed kids. And uh, there's kids that don't have money for food. And uh, the next week, there was a team came down, didn't really know them. Uh, Chris went over with Conwell to the orphanage to help out a little bit with some mechanical things and, and came back and he said, you know, the Lord put it on my heart a couple months before we came to Haiti that there was going to be a need. And he just started preparing my wife and I and my business um, for something. Didn't know what it was. And he said, today I found out what it was. And so Chris started doing what he could in a very small way. Not enough in our eyes, but it's something's better than nothing. And uh, the Lord had him set up, prepared to start that before we even knew it. And it's those kind of stories that go on all the time. So Chris came with some money to help us get started a little bit, at least a little food. Yeah, so, so really... And tell me if I'm wrong here, for the last uh, two-ish years or one and a half years, um, we've kind of been cobbling by with Bethel, more or less. Um, have, have you guys officially taken Bethel as a go-serve orphanage? We have. Okay. Because that's always, there's implications which we can't get into, but of when you officially take on an orphanage or, or something like that, um, it, it is kind of funny, like the government then cares yeah, what all you of a do. sudden they care. <laughs> but before that, if you don't take on the orphanage, then they don't care. So it's kind of <laughs> fascinating. Um, but so, so infused, just as context, especially if, if you've joined us in the last year. So last year we helped Bethel with pretty much food, food and fuel mm -hmm. because that it was just so scarce, not that it's much better now. Uh, we've helped out with windows and some other projects, flooring mm -hmm. maybe or something like that. And so um, these are some of the kids that um, will be... Uh, the recipients of, of the mattresses. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, at the orphanage. So did, did I miss anything with Bethel? No. Okay. Um, well, yeah, uh, go ahead. back up a little bit. Uh, 
uh, last time we were there was in August and uh, found out Madame Alin was, was sick. And since then, she's passed away. But her kids, uh, who are adult children, uh, have taken over the responsibility of of the orphanage, if you will, uh, with Eddie's direction. And so far, they're they're doing pretty well. But we talked about, well, what do we do? Do we absorb them in our larger orphanage or whatever? But I think it's I think we're good. I think we're going to be able to keep that facility going. But because of all that, within the last months or so, we've we've officially taken on the responsibility. Yeah. So, so to put that in a timeline, they lost all their funding, and then um, the the lady who was leading the orphanage um, she passed away. I shared that when when that had happened, and then also an earthquake. Um, and I remember you telling me, and I shared this with everybody here, but um, you, when the earthquake happened, since you were there driving up, expecting because this is a two-story facility, expecting it to have been uh, demolished, which obviously the implication there being kids would have been hurt and or worse. However... Yeah, yeah we... Our first stop was at the Constellation Center, bigger facility, closer, and checked it all out and helped get triage set up, all those kinds of things that an Iowa farmer hasn't been trained to do but you just you just get her done you know and and uh so we set that up and helped people and 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 people from the community started coming in with broken legs and all the stuff you'd expect and we said we got to go to bethel that's our next stop and we just didn't want to go and we got there and kids were running out and of course everybody's traumatized the whole south of Hades traumatized the kids run out and they're they're traumatized and then a couple of them with damaged arms and uh, one broken leg I can remember and and that kind of thing but there was one wall on the back side of that picture that went down but the rest stood and nobody was killed and that day we found out throughout the whole day there was no one in our facilities of all our orphanages and whatnot that was killed. And that's a miracle in itself. Yeah, no one in the orphanages were killed. However, the people who attended church at like a Go Serve Global facility, there was yeah. fortunately a number of fatalities. There uh, were, there. and some of our, uh, our staff, uh, dorm moms, that kind of thing, um, they were pretty much all on site, and so they were okay, but some of their families, uh, you know, one, one that I can think of, her husband was killed, and the kids, uh, the church downtown Lakai, I think that you're referring to, we heard the story of one of the, the good families, uh, committed families in the church in Lakai that, um, yeah, they, they watched their kids, they couldn't get them out of the door. They were outside, and uh, mom and dad was out, and the door jammed, and couldn't get the kids out. So, tough day. That was a tough day. So, we're going to shift just a little bit for like five, seven minutes here. Um, I know this is a longer story, but I, I, get, I want you guys to hear um, Ken's brief story of how he went from Iowa farmer uh, and 
well, Ken and Jill from Iowa farmers to uh, nonprofit starters, orphanage starters, <laughs> grain bin houses, builders, you know, like that whole thing. Because uh, that probably wasn't in your, you know, 10 year plan or anything. It wasn't on my plan at all. Yeah. I'd, I'd never been on a missions trip. We'd supported a good friend, Terry Baxter, that's co-founder with me of GoServe. And his work, he's one of those gifted missionaries. I'm a dirt farmer. But I thought our place in this whole deal was to uh, support people like Terry. And there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But that's where we thought we were. So we stayed home and we supported his activities and, and others in the orphanage in India. So that's where we were prior to that earthquake in 2010 and January 12th. The earthquake happened in Port-au-Prince. Three days later, I get an email from a group in the Bahamas and say, we're looking for planes and pilots. And uh, I said, uh, I responded, I could do that. Where, where were you? I was sitting in Iowa, you were in, in, Iowa. in my desk at home. Okay. Yeah. And it was nasty, cold January. Got this email. And you had just bought a plane. Yeah, I just, right? just upgraded from a VTL Bonanza to a, oh, that's right. a Conquest. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Or, excuse me, a, a, a 340 Cessna. Yeah. And uh, which is a great plane for family. And we'd flown to the Bahamas a few times for family vacations. So we were Because that was the purpose of the plane, is just yeah. family. Family. Yeah. We'd never really found a way to use the plane for the Lord's work in a significant way. So when that e email came, it had been on my heart watching this stuff come in that damage, terrible damage in Haiti. And I'd never been to Haiti, but I've been to the Bahamas. So I got this email said, we're looking for planes and pilots. I respond, yeah, I can go. And 10 minutes later, Matt Hansen's on the, uh, on the phone interviewing me, and I'm trying to figure out, well, how do I get out of this gracefully, you know? And uh, later that day, I ended up in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, another guy from Alabama didn't really know what we were doing, but we were getting her done. Because he brought his plane, too. He brought his yeah. plane, and we loaded him with medical supplies and... In we went the next day, and that began an everyday trip into Haiti from Nassau, Bahamas. Just getting her done, didn't know what was next, you know. And uh, that began all of that. And my last day in Haiti was going to be March 6th. And by then, my family, Jill, and the kids were in Nassau waiting for me. And uh, I hadn't been out of the airport. Been in ha Haiti, you know, we'd drop and run, drop and run. Every day we'd run a, another load of medical supplies and hadn't been out of the airport. And I asked one of the gals from Bahamas Habitat if somebody could show me around. Look, hi. Sure, there'll be somebody to show you around. Got there that day and Haitian man was standing there waiting for me and put me in the back of his pickup and we drove around Lakai and then he started throwing curveballs, as I say, and it ended up being Eddie. Didn't, never met the man. And, and he worked at the U. For he the was UN? working for the UN at, at the, the time, time. and yeah, so okay. he didn't have time to do this. Right. If you ask Eddie today, why did, how did he get there? Why was he the one? Because there's utter destruction everywhere. Yeah. Eddie's working for the UN, needing to help the destruction. Instead, he's taking this Iowa farmer on the back of his truck. And it just like the around. Lord picked him up and set him at the airport and said, you need to go with Ken. I mean, it's, 
it's one of those, as Winfrey Phipps would say, hooked up from heaven, you know. It, there's no doubt. Without meeting Eddie that day, Go Serve wouldn't exist. And it's nothing to do with me. It's everything to do with God putting that connection together. And he said, well, do you have time? I'd like to take you out and show you where we're going to build an orphanage. And I'm thinking, I have responsibilities. I don't have time. Okay, let's go. So we went out there. Has anybody ever done that before? Yeah. Oh, Taylor, look at the time. Yeah, I got I to gotta head out. Yep. Uh -huh. Rose is in the oven, and yep. this guy's yeah, talking got, way too long. Yep. Yeah. And so out we went. And then he really changed it up on me. He said, on the way back, uh, and all he had was a piece of ground and a shipping container sitting at this property and looked like a long project to get it ready for an orphanage. He said, well, stop at a house I'm renting and I'll introduce you to 15 little girls. <laughs> and he did, and he said, they're going to sing and they're going to kiss you, and they did, and they... It broke my heart. And I went back to Nassau that night and told Jill, this isn't over. It's not the last trip. It's the first of many. I knew as clear as we're sitting here that the Lord had much more, and it had something to do with his Haitian that I met today. I just knew it. And uh, so I went home and started sharing the story to anybody that would stop long enough and shared it with my church, and here we go had no idea. I didn't sign up for this. I wouldn't have sold the farm and moved to Haiti. That's not me. But one step at a time, the Lord has been gracious enough to allow us to get involved in something that's transformed our lives in many ways. And uh, sometimes I, I wish it would have happened sooner, but I can't do anything about that. And our lives were at a point where all this could happen, and, and it, in hindsight, to see all the connections that were put in place to allow this to happen for us, it's just amazing. You know, even our oldest son, Heath, decided to come back and farm. January 1st, 2010, he moves home. Fifteen days later, I leave. Lord knew I needed Heath there. I was thinking it was nice for him to come back, but I didn't know why I was going to Haiti once a month, and uh, and here we are, and and Lord is, you know, you, you asked about this before the service, um, what's this done to your life, and I don't know how you can go to a place like Haiti and walk down a street and have somebody hand you their baby, and it doesn't mean hold it while I get the bottle, it means, will you take this baby? Because I have no way to care for him. I don't know how you experience that without doing something to your life. And uh, that's what's happened to me on a, on a daily basis. You know, we get hardened to the fact that there are thousands of kids that need to be fed around the world. And, you know, what do we do about that? We can, I can't feed those 26,500 kids that are going to die today from preventable causes. I, I just can't. So you lock your mind away from it and walk away. Well, there are little kids that I met in Lakai, Haiti, and around Haiti. 
face to face. And I've found a way, we've found a way to change lives. And that's a really special thing. And that God, God had this plan for me before I was born. And, and I think we all have, he has that plan for us. We just need to find it, whatever it is. And I'm just so grateful that I've been able to find it and be part of this. It's all him. It's nothing to do with a couple of farmers with no gifts. And uh, it just takes a willing heart. Here we are today. Yeah, I like how you ended there. Just it's a willing heart because I mean you got to say yes to it. You like, do. Like that's a thing. Like I'm guessing for most of you sitting here, you know that that pulls at your heart a bit, but you have to say yes. Yeah, and it, and and when it gets past, and I think I probably mentioned that in the video, but putting a meal on the table and a roof over your head, what's this all for? I kind of joke about we farm as a fix to care for the poor. Well, beyond a roof on your head, over your head, what do we do all this for? You know, we compare ourselves to our neighbors, and we don't consider ourselves rich, but compared to 95% of the world, we are. And, and so we get hardened to that. But what's the Lord have for me? Uh, Max Licato wrote a book, Outlive Your Life. I was reading a several years ago. And in the last chapter, there's a picture of a tombstone, and it's blank. And then he said, when, you're, when your grandkids realize you live in a time and a place where the church in America could feed the hungry, all the hungry around the world, what will they do? How will they judge your response? Will they, will they consider Grandpa being a fun guy with a lot of toys, or will they know him for making a difference? And for us to take care of the, the needs, the physical needs of people in a place like Haiti, and it's happening all over the world now, um, through GoServe, through God, but when it it gets beyond taking care of the physical needs. Then that family that got a safety home, they they asked me, why'd you do this? Well, that's when, why do we do this? And it gives us the opportunity to share the gospel because it goes hand in hand. When you care for their physical needs, then they're open to hear the gospel. If you try to go into the slums of City Soleil and Port-au-Prince and share the gospel with a mom and kids that haven't eaten for three weeks, they're probably not going to be too open to what you have to say. And that's also not really good news at that point. I mean, the good no. news is no. caring for the poor. And and that's, that's, that's Christ, you know. Uh, pure and faultless in God's eyes is to care for the widows and the orphans. Pure and faultless. Doesn't get any better than that. And when you care for the physical needs, I, I, and, and this is all going to hit all of us differently, but I, I know just for me, like, to, yeah, the 26,000 kids that die every uh, day of preventable illnesses or, or hunger and all that, um, you know, that, that's absolutely overwhelming. And, and you know, I mean, we're not ignorant. That's not something that all of us in this room put together could make a difference. Um, but that's kind of the cool thing about the church is, we're, we're 
you know, we're all on the same page. I shouldn't go that far. We should be all on the same page, at least in this one way, um, that when you take care of physical needs, that frees people up. I mean, you've shared that too, for people to dream and to think differently. And that's really what a place like Haiti needs is people who are thinking differently. And you have to take care of those needs to do that, to go to DMACC and uh, get an education, or as many kids will look at Ken and say, I want to be a pilot. Well, they can do that because they've been fed, um, they're cared for, they're loved, and they're inspired. I mean, that's honestly like, so I don't get emotional myself, but that's one of the most important things I think that all of you and we can be a part of is inspiring. I mean, that, that's what it is. I mean, you, well, you told me that too. When, you're, when you aren't going down because of COVID, you weren't going down. You said, I mean, the kids do kind of lose hope a little bit. Just knowing that there are people there that care about them, even hundreds, thousands of miles away, makes such a difference. And it inspires them to... Uh, think differently and to believe differently and to grow and to change uh, and and that that transforms that changes poverty that train yeah that changes Haiti the first day I met Eddie I'm thinking these kids have to get out of here they're all gonna die we gotta get them to the states you know Americanize them mentality he said no our goal is to get these kids that need a place into an orphanage, give them a bed to sleep on, give them a meal or three in a country like Haiti. That's an amazing thing. And give them a good education, share the gospel with them, and change the way of thinking of these kids and integrate them back in the, in the country. And that's how you change Haiti. I have people say, Haiti's never going to change. There's nothing you can do. It's always going to maybe... But this is a slow process, and Eddie was right. That's how you change Haiti, one kid at a time. And Shalin is a shining star of that, and there's many more right behind her. Great. Um, if we could, let's pray. I know we're shockingly running behind, um, but let's pray and uh, thank God for, for what he's doing here. If you would, bow your heads and, and pray with me. Um, Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, I just uh, thank you for Ken. I thank you for Jill. I thank you for their family um, and, and just really saying yes, Lord, saying yes to um, the connections you've made, for the opportunities you've created, and um, for, for them to uh, lean into that. And uh, I just pray that you would, uh, we would feel your presence in our heart. And I think sometimes we feel that presence uh, in moments like these when uh, there's so many emotions of the hurt and the, uh, you know, the burdens that other human beings have in this world. Um, and I think we also recognize in the same way that we, Lord, are, are so incredibly blessed. And uh, I think that's a little bit of your spirit mixed in there, uh, calling us to action, calling us to make a difference, calling us to realize that we are all your creation, that we are all your children. Um, we may grow up in different parts of the world, but that doesn't make us any less or more valuable than each other. And uh, that those of us who have should be rich in good deeds and generosity and be willing to share. Um, because in all fairness, um, we did not um, we didn't earn all that we have. So much of it was given and that we have an 
um, an opportunity to give as you have given to us. And so help us, um, all of us in this room today watching online uh, to say yes and to lean into that um, and uh, help, help change people's lives, change other human beings lives and to make it better to help those kids in Haiti um, and around the world um, to inspire them to care for them uh, and in so doing um, transform it bring your kingdom um, your lordship a little closer to earth your values and your love a little closer to earth lord help us um, help us today to do that in your name I pray amen